0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cool Podcast. Owner Stories today. It's Tuesday. Uh, I know you guys enjoy this episode, so I'm not going to ramble on too much in the beginning. Uh, I am running late. As I always say, I've got two minutes to connect by Zoom. All the owner Stories are done by Zoom um, because I'm in Bahrain and all my guests are all over the world. That's what makes owner Stories so fantastic. Uh, Part of the podcast that I really do enjoy um, not to say I don't enjoy chatting with Steve every Friday, but I really enjoy the owner's stories because it gives me a bit of an insight into things that I don't know about Porsche. It gives me an insight into other models that I haven't thought about, you know, and I like it. You know, it's it, it as I said in in my own owner's stories, number 51, it becomes part of me. Uh, your stories, I, I just make me I don't know. It's just it's just a great thing. I'm rambling again. I always do this at the beginning. So let me stop. Today, I have Paul. Uh, Paul's coming in from the UK. Paul's got a good story. Uh, I think it's his first Porsche. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, he's also got something else that I think he might want to talk about, which is pretty interesting, which I think you guys will enjoy. And I think that's about it. Let's get Paul on the line from the UK, I think from London. I think he's in London. And let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to Owner Stories. Um, so I've managed to get Zoom working. Um, in Bahrain here, it's a little bit, a little bit tricky for me because the internet is very, very poor compared to my very fast fibre connection in London. So I'd like you all to welcome uh, Paul to the podcast. Thanks for joining, Paul. How are you? Good. Yeah, very well. Thank you, Michael. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. So how did we first get in contact? Through Instagram, wasn't it? You sent me a message through Instagram about something you were, you're up to, which we might touch on at, towards the end of the podcast. How we always like to start these episodes and I'm going to get straight into it because I think we're going to fill up the hour with your story. How did you you've you've got a Porsche now, but how did it all happen for you? Was was Porsche something uh, that you started noticing when you were a kid, or did it happen later in life? Um, I know. I think that the owner's stories, it's about 50-50. I think a lot of people got into it later in life, after their 30s. Um, some people had Porsches in their 20s. Some people didn't even get a, their first Porsche or even start noticing them to their 50s. So how did Ooh. it all start for you, Paul?
1: Um, yeah, so cars forever since day dot. Porsche, probably early teens, mid-teens. Um, and there's a dealership uh, in Swindon in the UK called Dick Lovett. Um, they're a really renowned dealership. They're very professional. Um, and I, as a child, I was really into, I still am to an extent, but I was really into art. And I drew a, um, a 993, that was the current kind of mid 90s, that was what was out at the time. Um, and I was fascinated by it. So I drew a picture of both the engine, the flat six. And uh, the sort of silhouette of a nine o three and then sent it to the um, the guy that ran that dealership, in oh, okay. fact owned, owned owned the whole franchise. Um, and and he very kindly wrote back and sent me a stack of hardbacked. I wish I knew where they were. I'm pretty sure it's all pages like, but um, stack of books. Okay. Um, and that was it. From that point onwards, I was yeah fascinated. But like lots of people, um, Porsche was completely out of reach at that point. I came from sort of fairly you know humble beginnings, so. Um it was one of those things that I kind of looked at as a one day. <laughs> like one, day, a day like, one
0: day, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um yeah.
0: So are you someone that actually did you have a lot of cars? Did you have the need for cars? Were you into cars, you know, over those over the last sort of few years or growing up? Or was a car not a necessity being in the UK?
1: Oh no, it's totally a necessity, probably for freedom. <laughs> Coming from a coming from Cheltenham, which is a spa town, it's a very pretty town. Right, and um, we're with um, some fantastic drivers' roads within ten minutes of the, the, the centre of the town. So um, it's about twenty minutes away from Jeremy Clarkson's house. Oh, okay, um, if you know Harry Metcalf, um, Harry's yes. Garage, and YouTube, yeah, he, they, those guys all live in that sort of same area. Richard Hammond lives quite close by. Um, so yeah for, for that purpose yeah, those people all flock to that area because the roads are so good so as soon as I could pass my test I passed my test because I wanted to get out on those roads um, so yeah notable cars along the way I mean the first one was a terrible you know the same as everybody's first car terrible I crashed it within three months of owning the thing oh, okay but the best ones I was thinking about this I was walking my dogs earlier on and I thought about this which if I had to pick three or four cars out of the cars I've owned,
0: because I've owned
1: 40 plus cars over the years. Some are oh, disposable. Okay. Yeah, 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 loads, absolutely. Serial car buyer until recently. <laughs> okay, because let me just
0: tell the listeners, I, I actually joke with you at the beginning, if you have 45 cars, we can't talk about all of them. I didn't <laughs> I mean, realize you were going to have 40 cars, you know that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. so luckily I, I luckily I said that before we start. So let's start with the first memorable one, the one that, that sticks into your mind. Yeah,
1: okay, so the first memorable one, and this will kind of you'll see the link at some point um was a mark one toyota mr2 so okay. the aw 11 box boxy one from the early 80s to sort of late 80s and mine was a 1988 t-bar um in super red um and i and i was 19 i think when i got that 20 maybe um yeah and we were again a fairly fairly well-known company now literally motors yes um Power station who were connected to Litchfield, um, who still are connected to Litchfield. Um, they tuned the suspension for me, did some setup on it, um, and got that car to a really great place. Um, I crashed it. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's the one you
0: crashed. That's the one you crashed. Yeah, that's a pretty the Mr. Really- MR2 is a pretty special car, though. I I knew someone that had one as well. They're a pretty special car when they were, when they were when they were new. But even uh, even now, more so now, everyone's uh, chasing after them again, aren't they? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. know if you think about. the the platform and the um the essence of what it is it was um, so early mid 80s and it was doing 7.7 seconds to 60 miles an hour um it weighed just over a ton midship's engine rear wheel Mm. drive no power steering i mean it's it's what we think of a lotus elise as i mean it's pretty you know if you you can draw lots of parallels between the two cars um and and it's it's interesting because you know i've come full circle and i'm back into a Given a game away now, but um, a mid-engine, mid-engine car. Yeah. Uh, so aside from that, though, the, the interesting ones—a couple of really great 205 five GTIs. I uh, went through a period of really loving French cars. Um, a Volkswagen Corrado, 16 valve that I modified and put on bike carbs. Um, you know what? You know
0: what? Sorry, Paul. I don't know what a Volkswagen Corrado is. What is that?
1: Uh, right. Okay. Is that so, only
0: the UK market, European market? I know it was no, it's not in, no. It wasn't in Australia. I know that. So I'm not quite sure what it is.
1: Interestingly, mine was a, um, an import from New Zealand. Really? So it definitely hit the New Zealand market, yeah. Okay. Um, but it was a so it was built by Volkswagen, but in a different factory, in the Carmen factory. Okay. Um, I don't know where that is in Germany, but yeah, they, they made, they were hand-built, but they were partially hand-built. Right. Um, it had a, so do you remember Sirocco? Do you know what Sirocco looks like? Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a um, an evolution of the Sirocco, kind of similar coupe-shaped car, um it had again some of the I'm fascinated by gadgets and it had a little spoiler that you could hit a button or it was <laughs> massively broke. 65 miles an hour did absolutely nothing. I found it fascinating though. Um yeah, great car. I, I, again, I think I was too early in my ability to actually produce anything of quality engineering-wise at that stage. So it looked good, it did not work. <laughs> so it's really unreliable because I've played with it too much.
0: So the the crash, let's go back to the MR2, the crash in the MR2, the one you crashed, was that due to car failure or driver error?
1: It was, it was due to um, excessive ego and uh, being overconfident. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is that because um, you had Litchfield tweak it a bit and it just had too much power? No, or, no, no?
1: Great no, no it was um, average to poor road conditions, uh national speed limit in the uk so 60 mile an hour on a kind of country lane yeah um and, and again no driver training so once the you know grip level was quite high until the point it wasn't very high and because it's such a short wheelbase um that once that rotation kicked in there was very little i could do about it it was right. you had to have really quick re- um, reflexes i did not have the lightning <laughs> i did want to get out of the car to try and get out of the thing right um it sent me i was doing about i was doing 60 um ish and and kind of went backwards over a ditch through a hedge into wow. a farmer's field um wow. yeah i was very lucky that i came away unscathed so yeah, um, yeah. It, it did give you know good lesson of appropriate speed, appropriate you know use of control and drive training as much as i felt so
0: absolutely so there's a trend here i can see the trend you've got driver's cars you've had the mr2 mid-engine um reasonably lightweight good handling um you know then you've had uh, GTIs, you've had Peugeot GTIs, right? You said the GTI. Um, yep. What else? What else comes after that? Are we still following that that driver's sort of car, that sort yeah. of experience car?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so the next one that I kind of when I was again was like same for when I was walking the dogs, I was thinking of you know which are the big hitters for me. And I think the next one that I absolutely fell in love with this car, Honda Accord Type R, two point two liter. Right. Yep. Late nineties in Pirates Black. Um, so it had, it was kind of like a black with a purple base coat, so or a purple pearlescent. So you could the sun, it would look black most of the time, and then the sun caught it and it had this amazing kind of flicker to it. Um and again, I dropped that off to a company local to me, and you know, they they um and I put coilovers on the thing and they had it um corner weighted. Uh yeah, it was wonderful, absolutely wonderful car. Um yeah. And, and, I, and that one did end. They had a bad end, but it wasn't. as a result of me. It was uh, a garage. There was I can't remember what it was. A CV boot or something. The garage was supposed to be doing for a track day, um, and they lowered the car down onto a kind of you know bottle jack or something that was holding the um, yeah, crane, yeah. up, holding the hub up, and it just squashed the side of the car. Um, yeah, wow. and then, so and then through through negligence of the garage, very sadly, but it was a, an incredible car. So, but those things took <laughs> rust really badly. So, yeah,
0: that's another great car, though. Another one that people are chasing after today that have gone up in value quite a lot. How long ago did you own that? How many years ago? Uh,
1: probably, I guess late two thousands to probably 2010, 2011, I think okay. it was. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So what? Uh, can I just
0: – I just want to refer back. So you're an engineer, aren't you? You told me you are an engineer. So right. are these sort of cars – are these the sort of cars you're drawn to? Is this what you're drawn to? You're drawn to cars that have that little bit of an edge, that have that something unique about them, like the MR2 was quite unique when it came out, you know, the, the yeah. GTI Peugeots as well. Were, is that what draws you to these cars or it's just purely the driving experience? What What is it that, that, that makes you yeah. want these type of cars? Because there's a trend here with what you're actually buying, right?
1: Yeah. I think, so I've always been a sucker for a special edition, anything that's kind of limited in numbers or, um, yeah, and anything that's not left field, but has has a sense of uniqueness to it. Yeah, that's not going to, you know, I'm happy to compromise comfort over, you know, that kind of, oh, I don't know, sound really like a Bodie one point breaker, but like a oneness with the car or something, you know, when you can, when you, and, and I get it with 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 my car now, um, Go out for a long life somewhere and you really feel connected to it and, and the, the cars that have always stuck with me or the ones that I've loved I've always had that to it that there's that, you get in it very quickly yeah everything else going on in your life and it's just you in the car um so and I think I've always been driven by that I think that's what it is
0: okay so there's a couple of Japanese cars in there there's a couple of French cars are there any German cars that that enter your uh enter your car history before you get to the Porsche
1: uh, so only the, karate, the Volkswagen Corrado. Um,
0: oh, the Corrado. And I think
1: yeah. so after the, uh, the, I get the, the last notable one before we get to where we are now into Porsche. Um, and probably the, the biggest impact, I think, in terms of me going, OK, it, the, if you think about all of these other cars, they're all fairly low priced. They're all kind of yes. accessible for the most part. Um, and then I decided that what I really want, and actually, is is to just look for the car that I really, really, really wanted, and that was a Lotus Elise. Okay. Um, and and that's kind of that was totally at the top of the tree for me. Um, I was I worked for Lotus, okay. Um, probably about six years previous to that, um, and that left a you know an indelible mark with me. Um, and I went hunting for a pretty ropey one, really it, it, low owners, I wanted, and and low miles, but I wasn't bothered about reliability because I knew I could take the thing apart and rebuild it if necessary, which is exactly what I did. I kind of took that car with a failing head gaskets and lots of um curation work to do, because that's how you look after these things. And then built it all the way back out from nuts and bolts to probably one of the best ones out there.
0: Yeah, I'm I've got this very strong attraction for the Elise at the moment. And maybe hmm. I'm late to the party. I don't know whether I'm early to the party, Paul, or I'm late to the party. Um, and I noticed that Jason, Jason Kamisa's got one. Jason Kamisa's got one, and I've seen something about his. Then I watched someone else that had one, and then I've been looking at the prices, and I spoke about this, and I think, a few episodes ago. Um, and the prices are still okay, right? I don't know a lot about them. I don't know whether to get, you know, Series 1 or Series 2 or whatever it is, or the yeah. early models or the latter models or the Toyota engine or the Rover engine or whatever. I'm not really that up on, you know, the, technic- the that technical side of it. But I think... You know, as a as a Porsche owner, I think the Elise is a really, and it's interesting. You you know, you've had one, yeah. is a really good car to have with a Porsche, whether it be a 911 or a Cayman or a Boxster. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think they. I would say, especially if you've got a later model Porsche. If you so yes. let's, let's let's say take a, an example of that. So say you've got a Macan. Yes. That's your daily. It's a lovely, beautiful car, um, but there's still something inside you that wants that raw edge, that kind of driver's car that you probably can't really get to and spend a ton of money. But actually, an Elise gives you all of that, but it's less compromised than a catering or something similar to that, which is you know it's two steps away from a motorbike. So you can still, and I used my Elise to drive commute at weekends, four hours each way. Um, so it can be done. Don't get me wrong. It's it's not a pleasant experience if you're doing it regularly. So if I had one, it would be I've, there's a beautiful Sunday morning and you're up at 6 a.m. You know, you go out there and you fire the thing up and you just head straight out to the countryside. That's yeah. what those things are. For. Because they're,
0: a, sorry, they're noisy, aren't they? They're noisy. They're loud. Yeah. They're, well, they're noisy yeah. as in, if you, depending on the resource you have, but they're loud inside the cabin, right, because there's no really sound deadening or anything in there. Um, Horrendous um, em-
1: Yeah, really loud. It? Yeah, <laughs> but that's what—that's part of the charm, you know. You don't get those things. You know what you're getting when you buy one. That they, yeah. they, they, there's no sound deadening anywhere. That you know, there's a plate floor of, of of aluminium, and you're sat on it pretty much. Um, every stone that hits the wheel arch, you know, you hit all <laughs> yeah. of that. So, but,
0: but is that any different to owning a McLaren or whatever with a carbon tub? You know what I mean? It's probably the same experience, right? It's it's that I, same I sort of so. noise because they're really noisy, right? Macla- anything with a carbon yeah. tub is very noisy.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I would imagine. I mean, clearly, there's going to be some effort applied to compliance and and making sure MVH is dumbed a little bit, but certainly, you're getting, I think, probably 30% of that experience, obviously, much slower speeds. But is the slower speeds thing a big problem? I don't think so. If you're driving around on on a road, especially, um, you know, wherever you are, if you want to have fun within, you know, relatively within the speed limit, you can't do that in a modern-day supercar. You know, you're in first gear and you're breaking the law. So, you know, like Lotus is, and um, I'm sure many other cars that, you know, are are similar, give you that option to play with it, to find the limits of the car and kind of – and to get close to that and have that really great fun, but you're still not breaking the law, and that's an attractive quality. And, and, you know, if you talk about residuals, you know, people that have bought those – back in the late 90s, for example, they paid, I don't know, 25,000 yeah,
0: yeah.
1: pounds, $30,000 or whatever it is. Um, and they're probably about that now, you know, for yeah. a good one. So yeah, you don't really one,
0: lose any money, do you? I, I read something actually the other day, some article where it said you're pretty safe. If you buy one, you'll pretty much get your money back when you sell it. Um, so I think that's a, that's a good thing. So the Lotus is good, right? Because it's small it's mm-hmm. fast enough it's lightweight which makes it exciting which makes it a good experience so that's what makes it great on the english roads right on the english back roads so you had that car for a while why did you why did you sell that car did you want to get something mm-hmm. faster or bigger what what was the change after that the notable change that you changed into
1: i so my intention with that car i built the car right so i built the chassis out yeah, but i rose jointed all the suspension i had been to nitron and got you know nitron bearings for everything and um, quantum racing shocks I'd really spent a lot of time dialing in um, with, a, with a friend of mine who owns a, um, an engineering company HPE Automotive right. um, and it was a fantastic car the intention was for him Dan at HPE to build me a 300 horsepower uh, Honda K20A engine and would fit that so then we'd have a 700 uh, kilo car with a 300 brake horsepower engine attached to it which would have been an absolute missile Um, That was the plan. And then wife and I decided to buy a house that we needed to liquefy all (laughs) our assets, Um, which meant that one of the things that had to go was the Lotus. uh, um, And it, so I kind of went for a short period of time without any, you know, without anything. So, but we'd agreed, my wife and I had agreed that actually this is a big part of my life. Cars have always been a big part of my life and they will always be. Um, So as soon as we're in the house and things have settled down again i'm going to go car hunting um, and i didn't know at that time whether it'd be a porsche whether it would be what else is like I, I thought about all sorts of stuff at the time whether i could get a ferrari california or oh, okay. I, th- I think what i really want to do is push myself into a, a position where why a california you know, oh, because, of the, because yeah, of the price because yeah i think accessible semi-modern ferrari i think that's what it was um and I, I really don't care very much about opinion. So the whole thing about, oh, it's a Maserati, it's not a real Ferrari. Yeah. You know what? I wouldn't believe that. If I was sat in it with a Ferrari badge in front of me screaming at 7,000 RPM, I'd be pretty happy. So
0: um, The, the California is yeah. a weird one, though, isn't it? Because it, it was unloved. Um, It was replaced recently. It has been replaced. Um, and the prices are quite low in the UK, aren't they? They're not that expensive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually quite a good buy. But Because no one really yeah. wants them, do they?
1: Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, 70-ish thousand, I think they are, British GBP. Yeah, so, yeah which is quite I cool. mean, that's a lot of car for, for that much money. I don't know what they are in the rest of the world, but um, it was an attractive it was an attractive option. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've moved into this house. We'd stretched ourselves a little bit to get in here, um, you know, trying to be financially sensible. So I was then looking at, okay, that's quite an expensive car to run, probably. I yes. don't know the ins and outs. So I wanted to find something that gave me the thrills of the Lotus with sensible running costs that probably had good residuals that, you know, that offered me an experience that I've been craving that I haven't been able to achieve yet. And it took me all the way back to the right, you know, to drawing those pictures and sending them off to the the guy that owned all those dealerships. And I thought, why am I not looking at Porsche? What could I get? My budget was... 33 to 35,000 pounds. Okay. And that was
0: 2018.
1: So, 28,
0: 2018. Yeah. Okay. So in so 2018, you could have, you know, you could have bought a 911 for that price, could, right? Yeah. You could have bought a 996. Yeah. I don't know whether, could you have bought a 997? Possibly. Yeah. Maybe yeah, a Carrera.
1: I could, have a I could, I could have only bought a, a, a one. And I think, and, and that's, and again, and I would have done, I think, I, I think I was, I'd certainly have been more keen but, again, when you think about this, the reasons why I discounted the Ferrari was the running costs and the idea of, you know, my luck. I'd buy a car that, you know, has been bore scoped, and then I'd find IMS issues or, you know, whatever, whatever was that could go wrong probably would for me. So, yeah. I, at that point, I kind of discounted it on the basis that the unpredictable nature of that, that version of the 997.
0: Okay, so your, your budget obviously didn't stretch to a 991. That wasn't something you were looking at. You were looking at 996, 997. So you're worried about the maintenance costs. You're worried about the IMS issue, which we all know about with 996s yeah. and 997s. So is that the main reason or was it in the back of your mind you were thinking, yeah, I really do want a mid-engine
1: car again? No. Do you know what it, what, you, what I actually wanted was a 70s 911. Okay. Uh, eight, eight after, you know, an early RS or something like that. Okay. You know, or even a narrow body T or something, yeah. but that kind of small, nimble. I mean, again, look at my car history: the MR2 and the Lotus. to Tell you, all you know about the size and the agility of, the, of what I look for. And um, late model 911s. Again, it's probably controversial. Don't people shoot at me and send me terrible messages? But some of them is that the further and further you get away from the sub sort of 70s ethos, you've you, everyone seen those. You know, there's a picture of all of the 911s over the years and the how much yeah. they've grown and you know, and, and I think for me, I, I was still kind of I, that's what I wanted, that kind of small nimble sports car, not a grand tourer. And that's I think where we're getting okay. to outside of GT products now. So where do you go if you if you want a small nimble sports car? All
0: right, let's go back to the classic air cooler. I just want to touch on that because you know, um all the listeners know that I'm a fan of the nine twelve. Um I talked to a lot of people in the London that that own nine twelves. Um and the nine twelve price in twenty eighteen was Still pretty good, even in the UK, and we've had people. I've had people in owners stories um, who are fixing up their nine twelve. Stephen um, from the, <laughs> I'm going to forget where it is, Jersey Islands, is it? I'm going to forget where it is. I think it's Stephen from Jersey Islands, um, and you know Stephen in Australia with his sixty six nine twelve. He's hot rodding. Um, Stephen in Stephen in the UK. He in the Jersey Islands, I think it is, he he's got his in April Motorsport fixing up the engine, Prill Classics. Was that something that you thought you could do? Because the 912 is really light, that 911, that 69, 68, 69, 912, I should say. And then mm-hmm. because you work on your cars to hot rod a 912?
1: It was It's a great idea and it's not something that ever occurred to me, I think. Okay. it Probably if it did, it, it was discounted on the idea that long distance drives in that thing, um, potential, and um, you know, unreliability. Uh, let, let's face it, if you, you know, the, the budget, like, so, what, I don't know, I mean, you'll know much better than I do, a couple of years ago, like, two three years back, uh, for £30,000, 30,
0: mm, I think you could have got...
1: Five, would you have got something that wasn't rusty, that didn't have oil leaks and didn't need to work? Um,
0: two years ago, you'd probably... I mean, at the moment, you can get a reasonable one in the UK for around 39. There's a couple there for 39, um, 39.43. Obviously, if you get it from the US, you can get it, you know, it's going to be left-hand drive anyway for the 912, because most of them are left-hand drive. Um, so it'd probably be more wise to bring it in from the US. So I think if you bought it from the US, you could have, yeah, quite easily. Because I've seen the prices of 912s jump on dealers in, in the US from... You know, ones that were selling for 25 are now selling for 39 US, 39,000 US. So the prices jumped up quite a lot Um, because of those sites like Bring a Trailer, um, you know, and stuff like selling crazy prices for 912s, like 911 prices for 912s. So I think that's what's caused the market to go a bit crazy. I think the 912 is a good body to deal with, don't you? I just wanted to come to that point because you say you work on your cars, you know what I mean? And I want to touch on that too, like this experience you have. So this is your engineering background. You like to work on all your cars. So the cars you choose are cars that you know that you can work on?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, not now, clearly. Um, yeah. But in the past, yeah, definitely. I think, I, I, I don't, so I, yes, I'm an engineer. I'm registered with the in- Institution of Engineering and Technology. Um, I, my day job is as an active engineer, but it's not mechanical engineering or it's not design engineering on cars so I, I applied some of that logic to what i do with cars but i'm not a mechanic i'm not a trained qualified mechanic so um yeah so so it's been more about uh, trial and error same as lots of people that work on cars there's lots of things that you know i look back on that i've done and thought, oh god what you know terrible job i did there yeah and um, benefit on site but i I'm, I'm perfectly happy to give work to experts you know take my take my lotus for example i did all the work in terms of putting the you know the refurb work for the suspension built all that back up, you know did all of it the bit that i stopped short of is the the bit that needs real skill and expertise building an engine from scratch right that's beyond right. my level of expertise and knowing that i really you know everything has to, i'm very detail oriented so and i know and i could trust that guy to do to build me an engine to yep. my spec yeah. with all of his agencies rather than me so i think it's a bit of both i think it's trust the people that you know to do a great job yes. and where you can stuff yourself with confidence that the quality of there day do it yourself Yep.
0: Yeah, good point good point all right so you you've out you've ruled out the 996 you've ruled out the 997 you've ruled out you know the 70s 911s what do you start looking for i mean obviously the listeners will know because it's in the title but do you start looking for the 981 straight away
1: uh no actually no i you know i remember i was saying a little earlier on about uh, being a sucker for a special edition or something unique. yes i actually <laughs> i think we were probably all at least <laughs> um i i wanted a uh cayman r that's okay. what i started for. um and, and i oh, did I find, that's I very I, nice
0: that car that's oh, a
1: very I made, yeah I, I think i think one of that will be one of those cars and i wanted a, a specifically a peridot green uh, you know, arms. I was
0: just going to say that, Paul. I was going to say one came up in Australia for sale, and it was in that green, and that green is the color, isn't it? Yeah. It's just fantastic, <laughs> I'm absolutely telling you fantastic. That's
1: the that ruby stone of yeah. modern day. Yeah, look at that in twenty years' time and go, I oh, wish I bought one of those. When they but
0: were... but that's such a crazy car that came in. out because I remember they came out, they were, they were reasonably popular, and then they just dipped. Remember that they actually dipped for quite some time. They weren't. I remember seeing them for sale, and they weren't going for that much. They really weren't, because it was that sort of thing. Cayman Boxster thing, still associated. And then all of a sudden, it clicked, and people just went, "Hey, this is a really, really good, really good car, and it looks fantastic." I th- I Absolutely think looks fantastic.
1: Me, yeah, it does look fantastic. And I think, I think again, I'm, I get obsessive about things when I, you know, <laughs> start to decide things and um, yeah. And I read every review, watched every YouTube, you know, video on the Cayman R. Uh, and, and what I found was lots of people were saying if you well if you spec up an S to a decent standard, you're there at an R. There's very little difference between a K and R. And yeah. the, I think it was like GC3 doors added made a difference. I think yep. there was you know some, some pieces in there, but you could get so close to that. Um but it's not, is it? Let's face it, these things are all, you know, it's the small changes that makes something, and and some of that's intangible. You know, some of it you can't really put your finger on, but there's something special about it. And that, for me, is the difference between an S and an R, and I think people are recognizing that. But when you read, if you go back and read some of those journalist reviews, they're all heaping praise on the car, but they, they all kind of looked at it and said, well, you know, it's like Porsche didn't really go the whole hog. Does it really deserve the R badge, given where, you know, the previous car that had an R on it? And I think, yeah, yeah, I think time has been going to it, and I think people will look at the 987.2 and the R's and go, Wow, that was the, that was peak Cayman, you know, and we didn't even see it at the time.
0: It seems like motoring journalists and critics and, and, and et cetera always had a problem with these parts been sort of Porsches, didn't they? Yeah. You know, they really did for some time, um, and then. It seems to have disappeared now. It does actually seem to have disappeared because, you know, uh, the, the 997 Sport Classic, you know, was criticised, and that's just gone to crazy prices. You know, the Cayman the, oh, Caymanar, yeah, the yeah, Spider, yeah. you know, all these cars were criticised. Yeah.
1: What's, what's the um, Sport Classic at now price-wise? It's
0: ludicrous, isn't it? <sighs> isn't it? Uh, I think the one I saw was about seven. I saw one, I think, for 700,000 US, wasn't it? 600,000 US or something like that? yeah
1: I, I mean i get it i totally get it i think you know they, they did a great crazy job though. with
0: that yeah i mean so look at the, a, even the 997 even you know the 997 gt3 it's a different thing i know but the 997 gt3 you know rs 4.0 whatever it is you know one sold mm. in australia just recently for 1.1 million australian dollars which i think it's comparable in us and uk as well like that's just insane do you know what i mean it's just insane money
1: it's, it's funny actually i'm glad you mentioned that i was on the um uh, seen through glass uh sam okay. had seen through glass so i was i was at behind the glass which is his podcast a few months uh it was probably last month sometime um okay. and, it, and i was in the audience uh, and he said you know he ran around the audience and, and said what car would you buy next if you could jump into something that was great and that was the car i said the four liter yeah um, And it was completely unrealistic because i didn't realize yeah. at the time how it was going no, it's a great car
0: it's a great car um, the Sport Classic, I think, is is a lot of people will look at and, and would have seen that, you know, selling. I don't know, maybe it was a long time ago. It doesn't seem like that long ago. I remember there's a, there's a, there's a car dealer in Melbourne called Duttons, which sells, you know, all mm-hmm. exclusive Porsches and Ferraris and stuff. Very, very great dealer. Um, and they had a Sport Classic. I remember it was 299000 Australian dollars, which is, you know, <laughs> 160,000 pounds, isn't it? Something like that. And I'm trying to remember how long ago it was. It wasn't when they were new, but it was selling for that much. So, uh, you know, the prices have just have just gone insane.
1: But even then, though, I don't know what, if you can track back to that. What would you have said to that amount of money for that car? I mean, we know what they're worth now. And, then, you know, again, you look back with foggy eyes and you think, oh, I wish I'd have bought five of those things. But, yeah, but I, I think, I think, think I, at that and said, that's a lot of money still for that car.
0: Yeah, I think at the time, though, I think at the time though, you were looking, if you were looking at 997.2, Carrera S's in Australia, they were probably still sitting at around 190000 Australian dollars. So it's probably about another 100 okay. grand more. So it wasn't that far removed. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't that far removed. Yeah. I mean, you know, these prices, I mean, we'll get on, we should get onto your, onto your car, but these prices are a bit like the 911R, right? The 911R, and I've spoken about this before, the 911R at its peak, when I bought my car from a dealer in Sydney called um, Scuderia Gazzarani, Graziani, he had one or two um, And you know they retailed for four fifty thousand Australian dollars. He was selling them, and he was actually selling them in twenty seventeen for one million Australian dollars. Now, now now those yeah, but those people bought that car recently. There was an influx of them on the car site like Auto Trader in Australia car sales, and they were down to mid six hundreds. Um, a friend of mine actually bought one and I never realized. He bought one and he got it at list at the 450 and he was holding on to it. it wasn't for sale. It was sitting in a, the, one of the Porsche dealers in Sydney and it was just on display and he was holding it and he held it past the value and then the value dropped and I think he lost. Um, <laughs> he didn't actually gain yeah. that much money. Timing is crucial. Timing, yeah. is crucial. Timing is crucial. Okay, so, so you're looking for your next car. You know you want a Porsche. Um, yeah. How does... How does your car come about? How long does it take you to find the car you have now?
1: Not that long, um, uh, and I think I got very lucky timing-wise. It, it was pre-COVID; nobody knew anything about that. Um, it was a point where, so that hadn't affected car prices. We all know what's happened to car prices in the last sort of eighteen months—they're completely mad. Um, and I, but I, what I knew is I'd made this, I didn't want to, so we know it's a 981, we know it's Cayman. That's in the title, I'm sure. Um I didn't want a Boxster. I was adamant I didn't want a Boxster. Um, I wanted that kind of, one. remember what I was saying about it. Ah. There's nothing I, I wrong love, with Boxsters. There's been a lot no, of Boxster no, owners. I, <laughs> it, it's personal preference. For me, I, I want, I guess, like I said, I desperately wanted that 70s 911 thing. And I, and I guess if you squint, and you put them side by side. The size is closer, yeah. and, I, and I, it, yeah. I, it, they're not the same thing. I know that, but it, it made me feel emotionally. It's all about emotions. It made me feel like I was closer to that in a Cayman than I would be in a Boxster. It's as simple as that.
0: So, how did you find the car? Was it when you started searching? Was it some was a car you found locally, uh, or no, did you have no. to get it shipped or trucked into where you live?
1: How did yes. that all work out? So uh, I again, um, a good friend of mine is a um, finance broker. So the, the, between the two of us, we went hunting. We, you know, I, I was very specific, again quite specific. I'd worked out what options I wanted for a car, and I knew that I wanted something that was one owner, very low miles, as close to new as I could possibly get. But had to have, and the hit list was pretty strong. Okay. Um, it had to have sports chrono. It had to have PTV. It had to have PDLS. Um, okay. So, the it, it had to have. What else did I want? All sorts of stuff. Ideally, I wanted carbon back buckets. but mm-hmm. try and find a, a base model Cayman with carbon, you know, carbon buckets. Not happening. No. But I got most yeah. of the things I wanted, and I found a car about 300 miles away. The, the guy had, had a collection of cars, and it was dry stored, so it had never been outside in the wet. Um, it had 14,000 miles on it, um, and yeah, and he was the owner from New. So. I had never seen the car. I'd never driven the Cayman Nine Eight One, and I'd driven a Boxster Nine Eight One. Uh, okay. I figured the platform was pretty close, so um, yeah. And, and it was one of those things where I thought, if I sit and wait for too long, the car's so good, somebody will come along and snap it up, and I'll you know, and then I can spend six months finding and trying to find another one that was as good as that. Um, so,
0: what do you do though? Do you think okay, I'm going to go and take a look at the car? I'm going to travel the three hundred miles, or do you just take a chance and, and get a check done remotely and then take delivery of the car. How does it all work out?
1: Worse than, Michael, worse than that. Worse? I, okay. I did none of those things. I got the guy to uh, send me some video footage walking around the car. Um, okay. And um, that was pretty much it. Uh, okay, so he,
0: he, where does all the trust come from? Because it was a collector, uh, because he, he had other cars? You must've, there must have no, been something that made you think, mm, this is okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was a dealer and in the, it was the cheapest car within the, his dealership. It wasn't okay. a, a main dealer, it was a private, you know, a, a, um independent dealer of cars. But everything else he sold was, you know, luxury or high-end sports cars or supercars. So it gave me some confidence that actually, it, you know... That, and he told whether you never know whether these things are true and so, so stuff. Yeah. But he told me he part exchanged it from McLaren, and you know, I got the full story about you know the the history of the guy and what he was like and how fastidious he was looking after it and stuff. And I, yeah, maybe it was part blind stupidity, desperation to actually get a Porsche because by this time I knew that actually this is going to happen. You know, I'm for you know that 16 year old child that or 15 year old child that drew this picture is going to own a Porsche. So. I think probably that got the better of me and all common sense and logic went out the window. So emotions yeah. took
0: over. It's an exciting time. Yeah. It's a very exciting time. time.
1: So just tell the
0: listeners who are not in the UK, if you buy a car from a dealer like this, um, yeah. and I want you to tell the listeners exactly what you bought in a second, but when you buy a car from a dealer in the UK, is there any warranty? Is there any guarantee?
1: It's, it's interesting, actually. That's changed. In, I think I don't know if it's changed since I bought the car, but it's definitely changed in the last few years so yes i got i was offered a warranty a third party warranty and i don't know what it's like and I'm, I'm assuming it's the same in other parts of the world quite often they'll sell you and it's really an insurance policy against breakages right um and that insurance company um you would have to drop it to a garage for um some diagnostic work they would say how much it's going to cost and give you a quote then you contact that insurance company and they you probably pay first, and then you can claim it back from them. Okay. Those things either they're pretty good or they're terrible. and They're not worth the money that you know the paper they're printed on. Yeah. Um, but again, I for me, I'd done my due diligence working out which car to buy. I knew that the the later model nine eight. You know, I didn't knew that anything sort of nine eight nine eight seven dot two onwards was pretty safe. Okay. In terms of engine, there, there weren't any inherent engine issues. Um, the fact that I had PASM, I knew there was potential for leaking shocks, but you know it done fourteen thousand miles. I couldn't couldn't figure out that it would have had that much. So I'd done all my due diligence, working out what not to buy, what to buy. Um, so I, knew, I wasn't particularly worried about insurance or warranties. But okay. what, what would happen then is theoretically you'd buy a car that you'd get this warranty from a dealership, um, and you, to an extent on your own. Yes. Now, not that I know, don't, I'm not going to quote the legislation because I don't know it but you could, I think it's six months. There is okay. an obligation for the seller, a commercial seller of a vehicle in the UK, their duty bound to make sure that vehicle is fit for purpose for a period of time. I think it's six months. So okay. if, if something massive goes wrong, you can drop that car back off to the dealership and say, you sold me a lemon, can I have my money back please? And they're, they're legally obliged to do that. So, oh, okay.
0: Okay. So there, yeah. is a safeguard. Again, there is a safeguard there.
1: there is, to an extent, yeah.
0: To an extent, yeah.
1: All right, so let's, let's, uh,
0: let's not hold it back anymore. It's in the title, like we said, but just tell the listeners exactly what you found, um, mm. the model, the color, the options. You've, meant, you've touched on some of the options already. Uh, any aftermarket modifications are on the car. Um, just everything mm. about the car that you found and, and you purchased.
1: So it's a 2015 uh, 901 Cayman, base Cayman, not Cayman S, 2.7 uh, in white, I think it's Carrara Whites. So you, you've said before Carrara Whites, so and I think there's... Carrara I don't know there's white. Steve. yeah. Yeah. Steve um, always
0: corrects me. He always corrects me. It's Carrara White. I always thought it was Carrara yeah. White. I don't know why, but it's Carrara White.
1: So, um, yeah, white, Uh came on the 19-inch S wheels. Uh, nice. Spec-wise, yeah, lovely, actually. The the interior, so if I try and... I'm going to miss some bits, I know. Sports plus <laughs> Um, which are you know over the over the slim nine seats, uh, they're really nice. Sports design steering wheel, which is great. Manual, by the way, I didn't mention this at all. Okay. At no point did I consider a PDK. Okay. Absolutely no point. I completely respect it. For me though, it's not about speed, it's about involvement with the car. So I want three pedals and I want a, a gear shifter. So yep. it had to be important. Um Sports Chrono, as I mentioned, was really important to me. Um PDLs, so the 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 adjustable lights, PASM, um, and the mod. It had one modification which I didn't know when I bought it. Although I wasn't unhappy because it sounds phenomenal. um, An aftermarket exhaust.
0: Oh good.
1: It's the only modification that the car's got. um, But yeah, that that and and I remember turning up on the the track and I was giddy like a school kid. And the guy kind of fired this thing up and I was like, that's that's something not. (laughs) (laughs) All All right, so let's go back. So you
0: you decide on the car, you hand over your money. So what's the process to get it to where you live? Is it just, is it included? Is the shipping included? Is an extra cost? Do they deliver it free of charge? How does that all work?
1: This guy, this guy had been pretty used to this stuff. So for him, um, it was very straightforward. He just said, that's fine. Give me an address. I'll make some arrangements. The cost will be, I think it was 300 pounds. Okay. Arranged a date. It was as simple as that. I did nothing else. Um, and
0: then, yeah, I to is know. this a summer delivery?
1: Yeah, it was. It was May, May twenty eighteen. Even yeah, better.
0: So Even of- better. All right. So you, the car turn The truck turns up at your, at your house. Like you said, you, you know, the childhood dream. Draw, right. Uh, sorry, draw, drawing Porsches. And here it is. You've got your first Porsche. And you said, you know, like it's in the truck. So what was going through your head when you first saw it?
1: Oh, I. I mean, I heard it first because it was being. <laughs> Um, this is going to sound melodramatic I know that I, I was properly had the shakes um, yeah, uh, yeah I, you know the full the full words about you know how enthusiastic I was about this thing um, and I remember sort of walking out. The, I have got a, I took a video of me walking out over to the car yeah. the first time I sat in the car and I couldn't believe how clean it was and it was a huge relief obviously because I'd not actually seen this thing in the flesh um, and I kind of got down on my knees as it was you know as it was being unloaded and looked underneath it and I was, and I knew I'd struck gold at the point where I saw all the factory stickers underneath the car. There was, there was not, a, it looked like it, the guy was right. It had never been out in the wet. Um, the brake discs, looked, per, looked everything was looked brand spanking new. So, um, I think at that point it, there was a sort of sense of relief because, okay, I haven't bought something that's junk. Um, it hadn't had any paint, all of those things, all the things I was really keeping my fingers crossed about. I've got yeah. all of that. Um, yeah. But emotionally yeah it, the, the car came off the transporter I got in it um the, the sort of courtyard that I live in uh, I remember sitting there as kids playing in this in this courtyard yeah. and the first thing I did I know it was it, 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 <laughs> all the, the worst thing you need to do to a cold engine let, let's flip the front look at the times to see <laughs> and I, yeah, so it sounds good I, I, oh god and, and the, you know what that 2.7. It's not. It's not the fastest car in the world. I'm not gonna. You know, not gonna pretend otherwise. But my word, does that thing sound good? You know, anyone that's driven one of those 2.7s will testify, they get to that kind of three to six thousand RPM mark, and it's got this howl, and it just sounds. The amount of tunnel runs I've done in that thing, just to listen to it, yeah, unreal.
0: But don't they compare the the 981 Cayman? Don't they compare it to like an 80s? Carrera isn't it similar people say it's similar experience like the the size and the power is that what it's like a, a, like a late 80s Carrera
1: I, I'd oh. like to think so I, I think there's probably people with late 80s Carrera
0: screaming at this now. <laughs> no I mean I mean size wise and power wise you know what I mean it's always yeah. like that I know there's comparisons where you know what fits into what Porsche's used to, what 911s used to be you know the size of a 911 um yeah. you know I was always really surprised when um I was listening to Smoking Tire podcast and he was talking about his 328 Ferrari that he has 328 GTS and they say it's the same size as a as a Cayman
1: which is wild isn't which it Which is I can't believe
0: you? that that's the same size yeah. like every time I see a Cayman now I look at it and go surely a 328 GTS is bigger than that cuz you always think they're yeah. wide and they're huge and even Testarossas they're not actually that big you just think they're big but they're not actually yeah, that I, big
1: And I wonder I wonder some of it I wonder if it's <laughs> you know your comparative size when those things came out you know three three true, two eight three true. Eight, true. Yeah. all of those things you know i was what, late 80s eight nine ten years old when those things came out yeah. and you you kind look at them and they do seem huge because you're tiny yeah. um so but as an adult i guess I, that and i think so it's probably a bit of that and probably the fact that all cars have got huge yeah so. true
0: true all right so you've got your you've got your new porsche it's in your driveway um do mm-hmm. you take it straight out on on those roads that are so great where you live what do you do
1: so i within 24 hours i've driven to brooklyn's racetrack yes i've um, got a picture of me on the bank the old brooklyn's bank Perfect. um into where else do i go Thruxton race circuit silverstone i think i, I literally just toured right i think probably put 400 miles on it in 48 hours or something just driving to place anywhere and everywhere I could get some time into it so
0: um, and then how is that feeling though because we all know that feeling I've always said about my first feeling in, in when, when you feel the weight transfer and you feel the car I mean yours is mid-engine but you feel that you're in a Porsche and it just hits you how where did it hit you was that first drive was it just when yeah. it was coming oh. off the truck How? How was that feeling
1: a bit of both I think the, 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 I think I was overwhelmed with I, you know, this is what I've always wanted when the car came off the truck. And I think it affirmed it for me. It's so funny, isn't it? Because, I, you know, there'll be lots of people out there thinking about, it and, and, and you guys have talked about it a bit before, about 911s and, and you know, is that, I think it was you and Ajmal talking about it the last time I listened to. We, is, you know, when you're in anything else, any other Porsche, are you really just waiting to get a 911 or are you kind of, yeah. is that the next thing you're trying to aim for? For me, I didn't get that. I I didn't have. I was driving this Cayman around, and I didn't have any sense of oh well, this is a stepping stone car for me, or this is the you know I'm, you know on the way to a. It, it just it, it hit all the right notes. I needed it to. It did everything I wanted out of it. It sounds phenomenal. Um, yeah, I, I, it just a sense of again lots of really cheesy stuff. You maybe you should I don't know if you retell this the cheesy guy or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But it it, it was. Yeah, it felt right. It felt like I got the right car, and it—you know—it was, it was a gamble buying it, and it's paid off because it, yeah, there's not not a single time where I've regretted it.
0: Well oh, that's good. That's fantastic. So you, you know, like you say, you've got a base Cayman. I've got a base Carrera, 997 Carrera, as you probably know, right? Um, was there a point where you thought you wanted to push to an S, or did you think no. that the the, the the 2.7 was enough? Uh,
1: I mean, like I said, I'd not driven the car, so I didn't, try to... <laughs> I, I kind of had no idea. Um, I thought about, you know, the 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 weights and the, and the horsepower the engine had and thought, you know what? And it's the same with my Elise. My Elise isn't a particularly quick car. Yep. You know, traffic it, it like Grand Prix against uh, an Audi diesel would get wasted. That lease would get wasted. Um, but it was never about that for me. Again, like I said, you can have fun around the legal limit. I know I'm not into track days, so not any you know in any significant way. So, I all I needed from that car was to give me enough enjoyment, pure enjoyment, driving enjoyment out of it on roads within the legal limit, um, and and it does that. It does that.
0: Yeah, and I've said it before as well. I you know I know the Carrera S is more powerful, of course, in the nine in the 997, but I find that my car still has, and I've driven Steve's GT3s, 997 GT3. But my car still has enough power there for the experience, and I think it's it's the same as your car. You know what I mean? Like a like a Cayman, just the Cayman, not the Cayman S. It's the same thing. The experience is still there. You don't. We keep talking about this power over experience. You don't need to have a lot of power to have a great experience, especially when you're on those great roads in the UK. Um, you know, I drove down to um, Goodwood with Nick, uh, who was on the very first owner Stories. You know, last year, um, last year or the year before, I can't remember. And those roads are just fantastic, you know what I mean? Even the roads down to Goodwood, they're just fantastic. Even though it was a busy, you know, it was a weekend and it was busy, were just, there's just so many great roads in the UK where you can really enjoy, you know, any car. Um, the, the Lotus, though, you said when you had the Lotus, you weren't tempted to do a track day in the Lotus?
1: I wish I, I, wish I had. It was, it was in a perpetual state of being fixed or... Fixed, fixed to
0: make better or fixed to just work?
1: Probably a bit of both, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a friend of again, we'll get on to other stuff at some point. Um, the, guy, the guy, one of the guys I'm partnering with on the projects I'm working on, um, he's had a Honda-powered Lotus for when did he buy it? Early two thousands. Um, so he's had this car a long time, and right. he does done um, hundreds of track days, hundreds. Um, okay. We went to the Nurburgring together in both of our Lotuses, um, so you can, it can be done. Um, I just think my appetite for, for doing it is, is not there. It, it's just, I get more enjoyment out of those experiences of, like you say, going to, um, Goodwood Festival of Speed or, yeah. or the Revival or wherever, whatever it is, the events that you go to, the people you meet along the way, yeah. cars and coffee, anything like that. That's, that's my jam. That's, that's the stuff that I get most enjoyment out of as opposed to spending loads of time on track
0: okay so you said the your came in your 981 came in has a great sound did you ever find out what the exhaust is on on the car fitted yeah, to the car
1: i find a uh, a receipt for it. it's a design 911 design tech valve tronics oh so, okay uh, yeah not 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 a hugely expensive exhaust um but if if it was to degrade or it was to pack up or whatever i would go and buy one again immediately but I'd i think they're quite a, a
0: good exhaust though i've I have heard about those exhausts. I think they're quite a good exhaust, right, from Design 911, you said.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't think, I just don't think that well, I mean, that benefits of the people who are buying them if they're not that expensive and they're great exhausts, right? Yeah, There's, yeah. And like that. So, um, yeah, and it, and it is nice being able to switch the valves, you know, closed and have a relatively benign experience if you're doing a long, long drive and then, oh, you know, okay. Games. It's sorry, so, Paul. It's
0: switchable, is it? You, have, a, yeah, yeah, you yeah. have it on the key fob, or it's on? The, it's fitted into the dash somewhere.
1: No, no, it's on the key fob. So, key fob. Oh, that's great. Uh, so it's yeah. a switchable one. That's cool. So I've got a kind of like, it feels like I've got lots of modes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, non, you know, So not in sport or sport plus, um, and the valves closed. I can have a conversation with somebody on the motorway, or you know, at seventy mile an hour, and it's quiet. You always have tire noise and road noise through into the car, but apart yeah. from that, exhaust quiet. Um, sports and valves closed. The old pop and burble, but still pretty, pretty tame. Yep. Sports plus the exhaust. See so what So you start combining, you combine all these things, and you've got loads of options about how noisy you want it to be. Whether you want the full <laughs> yeah. So yeah, again, virtue of luck. All right. So
0: you've had the car. You've had your Cayman since 2018. That's right. Yeah. So what about maintenance? The listeners always like to know a quick maintenance update. What about maintenance? Have you had to put much money into the car? Was it the sort of car that you thought you were going to get, that it's not going to cost you that much? Was it a, yeah. was it a good decision in the end?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've had pre- preventative um, oil changes, the, the annual ones, even if I didn't need them, I've still had them anyway. Yep. Um, and I had to pay for this year, actually. I think it was the. What well, know it? Twenty fifth. So a six-year service, which is drive belts and okay. the large inspection, and I think that cost seven hundred pounds. I think it was. Mm, that's not so too bad. Significant, yeah, I mean, a significant service. If it went to an, uh, a Porsche dealer, it, I think it's well over a thousand pounds for that same right. service. You right. Go to a Porsche. Go to a specialist that's local to here. So, um, but other than that, absolute. Not even a light bulb. Um, that's great. Yeah. So what I did do is I changed the wheels and I bought the I put the took the 19-inch S wheels off and bought 20-inch sport techno or yeah sport techno I think they are
0: sport Um, techno oh okay yes 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 is that on your Instagram you don't have the photos on your Instagram do you
1: yeah not on not on the the not the one one you sent me no. No, no, my personal one is. Okay. Anyway, that's um, okay.
0: People, the listeners will see it in the in the thumb anyway when the podcast goes live, so they'll they'll see that. Well, they'll see it now because it is live. Um, All right. So, I just want. I actually skipped a point. When it comes off the truck, do you really check it over with a fine tooth comb? Because I'm a little bit, you know obsessive like that. I would be going through every single thing when it came off the truck. Were you doing that? Were you like looking at every panel, you know, to see if there's a chip, if there's a slight warp in the in the panel or chips off the paint? Were you doing that or you, you just did it over time uh, when you had it delivered?
1: I I told myself I would do it and I said the day before, before you let that car off that trailer, you look at every single detail on that car because if there's something wrong with it, if it's still on the trailer, you haven't taken delivery. Yeah. Um what I actually did is let the guy take it off, rev the car up, and do none of those and things. you did nothing.
0: The emotions <laughs> I took over. Nothing. The emotions I was took
1: completely, over. Completely childlike. <laughs> and then the following day I kind of did all my sort of my checks and um, yeah, again, luck rather than judgment, it all paid off because there was nothing to Nothing to be unhappy about, but yeah,
0: I'd be It sounds like you've got a really good example, though. Um, good color, yeah. good options, great options, actually. Um, it, it seems like there's been a, it seems like a lot of people when they get a base Carrera or a, a Boxster or a, a Cayman a base, a lot of people spec them up quite well. I've noticed that when I've been looking through, um, you know, I always think that the base models people don't put a lot of options on, but it feels like people have actually optioned base models up quite well when you look at what's for sale now. Um, I don't know whether uh, yeah. that's because the dealer does it or you know whatever, but it seems like they there's still a few around where you can get them you know highly optioned.
1: There's a few. Um, I mean, I, I've this year has been you know as I mentioned before it's been crazy financially for cars, um, and I've tracked the market for nine eight one base Caymans right, in for the last six months. um, Just out of curiosity, I'm not intending on selling the car. um, and they all stayed at about kind of pretty much what I paid for my car. But the ones I found for the same price, so mid-30s, um, they've had like the smaller wheels, they're kind of right. um, very few options. Anything that's really well optioned just doesn't seem to be on the market. And if it does turn up on the market, it's gone in a day or two. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: so, so you would think,
0: you would get a premium if you sold it, that's for sure, with the options you have, well, or it would sell very quickly.
1: It yeah, I think I think it would probably – I don't think it would fetch – vast sums of money i think right. it would just it would just go i mean it's done twenty four thousand miles now okay. um so it's, it's still really low mileage and i think it, i think what would happen is it would sell in a heartbeat i, I could take a photo of the underneath of the car and i'll probably sell it from that
0: so. <laughs> that's great though you've been driving it you put a, you put quite a few miles on yeah. it so that's fantastic yeah. that's the main thing about it enjoying it and and you know just Enjoying the experience until the next Porsche comes along, which I'm sure there'll be something else. Speaking of next Porsches, do you want to talk about... Um, and I'll just tell the listeners, uh, Paul's got this project um, and I'm going to let him talk about it. We'll just touch on it in this episode. I think, Paul, I mean, if you want, maybe in the future we can come back and have a, a longer episode about it and, and talk about it in depth. But I think it's a really interesting project when you sent it to me. And I had to read your, your DM twice to understand what was going on, but now I understand. Um, do you want to tell the listeners what it's all about? Because it is Porsche related, um, and it's pretty special. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, like any engineer, you start with a problem and you kind of figure it out from there. The problem I wanted to solve wasn't Porsche related, but I knew I wanted to do something with a car. And it was actually a friend of mine, a close friend of mine. Um, his, his son got a first at university and was struggling to get work even with a first. And it was, the feedback was always the same thing. You haven't got any experience. And I was thinking, that's crazy. There's people out there that are amazing. They just need the opportunity to demonstrate their skill and show some, you know, gain some experience. And I was thinking, you know, I've managed teams and led teams in engineering for quite a long time now. And I, I love it. And I love inspiring people. What can I do to solve the problem of giving people the opportunity, you know, young engineers, the opportunity to show, showcase their talent and build a car, because that's effectively what I wanted to do. Then what car do I want to do? Well, I'm absolutely smitten with Porsche now. I don't want to stray away from that. Um, but early 911s, I mean, we're into big money, and I'm self-financing this this thing, this project. Um, so I had to try and find a way of doing something with it. Then I thought, about, okay, well, there's lots of kits out there. Um, 356, uh, Speedster, 550, 718 RSK. They're, they're the big four, I guess, that are around there. What can I do with something like that 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 is more in tune to an alphaholic Alfa Romeo or a GTO engineering Ferrari or, or you know or Singer even for Porsche? Yeah. Like how can I how can I achieve that with a limited budget? And I wanted to do a non profit because there's nothing for me to gain out of this. The whole thing is to do, being set up. So um, any revenue that comes from YouTube, that sort of thing, it's all being done on YouTube from start from requirements in engineering to a finished product all through YouTube um, and all the funds will go back into the project and then it'll be at the end of it once this car's produced and it's a 550 spider um, it'll go out for auction through collecting cars and then they'll fund the second project but the intention is to completely rather than just there's lots of people out there building kit cars um, yes. and, and to varying degrees of success some are pretty good some are pretty terrible um, and as an engineer, I want to completely reevaluate every single moving component on that car.
0: Okay. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. So you, you're going to do it on YouTube. You're going to do the yeah. whole process? You're going to do it from start to finish?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Long long form. So, long um, form. It, yeah, it might not be of interest to some people because some of it will be very technical engineering-based stuff. Some okay. of it will be product management kind of stuff. Um, lots of research and development in there. But people don't get to see this stuff, you know. You, no. you, you if you get to, see, if you watch, um, you know, pretty much anything that's on YouTube, Retro Power are a great example. They yeah. show you bits of what it takes to build a car, but they, but they don't show you every single detail. Whereas this, okay. <laughs> I, I watch,
0: I watch the, I watch the no. Porsche production line videos on YouTube. I forget the channel that has them. I was watching the Taycan production the other day, where they show you the whole production of the Taycan. I find them quite interesting to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah 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 i do too and i think especially overcoming some of the hurdles and i think for me what it is 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 when i was trying to work out like well i don't want to produce a, a kit car you know that's that's not good Use. enough yeah that's not good enough for me but then i was thinking well why don't you make the body out of carbon fiber why don't you completely revisit what the suspension design looks like and kind of and then sort of balance when, when you start talking about engine platforms and, and drivetrain? Why don't you look at all the available options to you with that and then build something to spec that has the silhouette of a 550 from the 50s, yes, but ultimately is a modern incarnation of it that's produced to a level of quality that equals? I'm trying, I, I would love to produce something that it level it equals singer, that's okay. what we're going to aim. Because it's not just me. There's uh, there's two people in uh, partners in this with me, um, and then all the, the the graduates will help me do this.
0: How many? Yeah. Sorry, Paul. How many graduates are going to be involved in the project?
1: Uh, Ten.
0: And where are the graduates? Where are the graduates coming from? Tell the listeners where they're,
1: they're They from. will be UK based, but they um, haven't been recruited yet. I've I've spoken to some Surrey University students to get kind of gain interest, um, and they were absolutely committed to the idea of doing it, but there's a process. At the moment, we're trying to build out the facility to be allow, to allow us to actually produce a car. Yes. Um, there's, there's a lot to happen before we kind of go out and recruit students and, and start building a car. So have you,
0: have you found somewhere to build a car?
1: Yeah, yeah, thankfully. Um, okay. And we're kind of about 80% away through the construction of that facility. And so, how, uh,
0: if you're using carbon fibre, and I, I might have just missed it when you said it before, how are you financing this project? Because you say you're going to...
1: Uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, no. Um, yeah, so I'm going through a process of speaking to partners through sponsorship. Okay. So some of it will be direct sponsorship from partner organisations. Um, there will be an element of uh, merchandise, you know, all the stuff that you see YouTube channels or these YouTube channels producing anyway. Revenue, once the channel's monetized, obviously there'll be revenue increases, you know, they're coming through from the, from YouTube itself. So... Okay. Um, and 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 if it's a fall short, then that that will come from me
0: okay okay so like you said there's a, there's replicas on the market and the two that come to mind for me obviously with the 550 spider is the beck one which has been around for years and years and the beck is not expensive you know what i mean i think it's i think with a basic engine it's about 40 grand or something right 40 or 45000 us dollars i think i think not with the subaru engine which people are putting in them but it's with the base engine um, then there's that other brand, isn't it? I don't know the difference in quality, the Chamonix, is it? Chamonix? I Have think you seen so, that yeah, one, the 550? Yeah. So is this why you don't want to do just a basic replica? Is this why you want to make it more like a Singer or more like a Gunther Works where it has, has, it's all about the materials and it's about the engineering of the materials and the quality of the materials? Is this what you're trying to, you're trying to remove yourself from these, these, these uh, other replicas?
1: Totally, yeah, it's exactly that. There's nothing wrong with Beck from from what I've seen. They produce a brilliant car, um, but it's not what I don't think there's anything new to be done there. You know, there's plenty of people out there producing really good quality replicas, um, but it's important for for us, for me, uh, to to produce something that surpasses. It's the essence of a car from the from the fifties. But imagine if actually you gave same engineers or modern techniques and modern tooling yes you know all the modern advances in technology and then produce something now with those original designs they wouldn't use you know hand formed aluminium okay. body they would, you know they would, there would be lots of things they would do with modern technology and that's what we're trying to achieve
0: so it is like a, it is like a it is like a um, uh, gunther works it is like a singer is it a bit like a emery motorsports you're familiar with rod emery motorsports right it's a bit like rod emery motorsports as well right where he sort of reworks the whole 356 where it is completely different but it looks the same so with your with your project car with the with the replica um spider still it'll still look like a 550 spider right
1: it wholly look like a 550 spider Yeah, it'll just be the
0: materials just the materials would be modern materials done by uh graduates um with new techniques
1: exactly that and i think there might be very subtle changes but you'd be hard you know hard pushed to actually see what those changes are you know like a slightly change you know the the offset of the wheel might be slightly different or the width of the wheel might be slightly different but effectively it will have the same visual form that the original had um i actually met rod emery a couple of years ago it was one of the oh, okay. first things that he came to the uk and did some talks to a uh, various various porsche dealerships right um and it was inspiring, you know, it was really inspiring. So there's definitely an influence from Emery Motorsport. They're yeah, amazing. Yeah,
0: cars. he's very interesting. I listened to an old podcast actually. I think, it, I don't know whether it was a, a Spikes Car Radio or a Smoking Tire where he was on there talking about, you know, his family's history and what he does and everything. And it's a really, really great story, really great story to listen to. So you're going to put it on collecting cars. What, what sort of time frame are you working? When is this car going to be finished, do you
1: think? Yeah, that's the the, the, the big question. <laughs> uh, going to do and there's really no. Way, I, I've been I've been involved in engineering projects for a long time now, and I know that there's the speed, cost, quality triangle that you. Can't <laughs> um, we know that the quality has to be. That's the apex thing. That's the thing we're shooting for. Right. Um, we know that the cost. It will cost what it costs, um, and it's probably the cost that will dictate. The speed in which we can achieve it. Okay. Um, and
0: you're and you're putting it on collecting cars, and collecting cars have had some really great results recently on Porsches. Um, and I guess, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going by memory here. I think Jerry Seinfeld's 550 Spider sold for s- five and a half million US dollars. So I guess you're aiming for about ten percent of that, right? When it goes up for sale. I don't even know.
1: Yeah, ten percent <laughs> would be nice. I, there's a part of me that's agnostic to what the car eventually sells for. I think if we go in with that attitude, it'll influence decisions, and that's yeah, not yeah. how I want. To work. I want but, it. But it I, think you, to be- I
0: think you're building something that, you know, you get a collector, you get a Porsche enthusiast, you get a really good, you know, a car collector or a Porsche collector, and they find out about this project and they see the car. I think it's something very interesting that, that people would want to buy one. Do you know what I mean? That someone would I'd want love this, this car story. because yeah.
1: it – yeah. Don't you think? I, th- I think what, what, what would be really nice, and is, at this stage, I don't know how much interest there will be. I hope lots, but you'll be able to, the owner at the end of it will be able to see a documented process from yes. the start to the, in, you know, the very inception of the idea all the way through to production of the vehicle, type approval and getting the thing on the road. Um, what a wonderful experience being able to have complete documented history of that vehicle. Yes. And one of the things that I will do is produce, um, you know, a document, a photo document that goes with it, with all the talk specs for everything. So actually it's not just something that's produced and thrown out there into the wilderness. There's a, you know... should do a, a book. Th- yeah, that, I would love to. I would love to, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm under no illusions that we all come up against significant hurdles. There will be things that are very challenging. Even the monotony of getting halfway through a project... And then finding you, you know, you've you've hit something that is difficult to overcome. Yeah. There's a natural propensity to take a backseat and think, oh, you know, maybe this isn't the project for me. Or uh, and so going into it, knowing that that's going to happen, I think it's a benefit. I think it can only benefit you. But we, I'm I'm a completely committed person, and I deliver on what i say I'm going to deliver. So <laughs> had this okay. conversations through. We've, years and-
0: <laughs> we've we've told the listeners about this. Where can they when it is it up yet the YouTube channel? Where can they go and, and view this process and view this project?
1: So it's Rengineering on on YouTube, Rengineering UK on Instagram, Rengineering on Facebook. uh, But there is nothing out there at the moment because, like I said, quality is the absolute importance here. We don't have a facility that we can, um, you know, we can demonstrate what we're about yet. The logo design is is being completed at the moment. There's so much to do to set a business up. That before we even go for a youtube video um so yeah a little bit of patience and perhaps the next time when we come back and talk about this stuff it'll be a time where you know close to the launch or at launch and yeah yeah, yeah things on
0: YouTube. all right i'll put the description in the podcast so everyone will know where to go to we'll get put all those links there for them um i didn't ask you about the engine what engine are you putting in it or is that yet to be decided
1: TBD. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I guess one of the things I'm keen to do is um, get the views of the audience. I think audience participation will be really fascinating. Um, I'd like it to be a Porsche. Yeah. Porsche engine, um, but again, you know, it's one of those things that it's it's what's right for the vehicle. You know, again, extracting money out of the situation to an extent, um, and we'll decide that along the way. There's lots of decisions that you know, the, the color of the car, the you know, the interior mm-hmm. color. There's so many, you know. My personal choice would probably be silver with a red interior. Mm, um, classic, but actually, mm. yeah, really, really classic. Um, but you know what? If if we get to that point where we're making those decisions and the feedback we're getting from both the, the, the graduates that are involved in it, the part my partners in this this program, um, and the audience members, that actually they want blue with cream or whatever. <laughs> it, it, yeah. You know, it'll be fascinating to keep people involved and make those decisions collectively, not just on my own. Well, it sounds like a
0: great project. Um, I'm going to be following it, that's for sure, because I'm interested to see you know how it progresses and I'm interested to see what choices you make. And I think the listeners will be as well. I think there'll be a lot of people out there that, that I if, that I talk to, you know, separately on DMs and stuff on Instagram. I know there'll be people out there who'll be interested. Um, we're, we're at the end of the podcast. We're almost there. Um, we've gone a little bit over time, Paul. But before we end, I always like to end with the favourite drives question. If someone's coming to the UK, someone's coming to, you know... Um, yeah. where you live, or just to the UK, what is a road that you say you should definitely go on? A road, a track, it can be locally, or it can even be you know, your favourite drives are in Europe. Where would you say to take your 911 or take your sports car?
1: I, I would go, and I've driven two hours back there from my home now just to drive these roads. So if you go leave Chantlam on the A40 um, and you head out towards uh, Burford, uh, I mean that that whole section is probably, you know, a, a ring of twenty miles, I guess, and it's just endless flowing roads. And catching on, a, you know, either an early morning, yeah. um, you know, sun's coming up. Oh, it's hard to beat those. So that's what I would recommend.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Um, all right, I think we're at the end. Is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before we go? They've got your, uh, they've got the links to follow um, your project. Rengineering, right? Rengineering? Yep,
1: that's right. Rengineering, yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I'm just, uh, yeah, I think um, take a look and, you know, I'm really keen for feedback as well. So yeah, as long as it's meant um, with good intentions, you know, please share what your thoughts are and, uh, and, and help me make it the best thing it can be. It's Sounds really good.
0: Exciting. It's a good cause too. It's good to get the graduates there and getting them, uh, you know, thinking and, and doing a great project. I think it's fantastic um be interested to see how many people you can get how many graduates you're going to use
1: I th- i'm hoping once the application process goes out that i'm you know having to be choosy <laughs> <waiting> to see. <laughs> you want or, to be choosy <laughs> yeah absolutely i want I, you know i want the but not from not from, from sort of um it they, you know each person doesn't have to have a first it but it's more about the pa- You know, passion we talked about this before yes it, 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 I, I need people involved that have a natural desire to to do this and an enthusiasm that can't be squashed by a challenge because it, it's, it's it's easy to get bogged down with things and and if just because you're great technically or great academically that isn't enough it needs people yep. to have that kind of energy to get beyond the challenges and that's that's a hard thing to find
0: no it's it's going to be an interesting project i think it's it's going to be very very cool and this is really your second Porsche as well. You've, just, you've only had your first one for two years and already you're doing a second one. Because it's your Porsche, right?
1: Hey. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, it's not. It's, I wish it was. it's going to be owned by the company. So if that, theoretically, it won't be my Porsche. Yeah, I I'd, I'd once, I'll do some, do some drives but It's, it's, it's yeah. kind of your Porsche. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm pretty sure when I'm waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go and work on it, I'll be calling my Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: All right, Paul, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. And thanks for um, sharing your story with the listeners. It's, uh, it's been great. I really appreciate it. And I really, so and I really enjoyed chatting.
1: Good stuff. Thanks so, so much.
0: All right, everyone. Uh, that's Paul coming in from the UK. 981 Cayman 2015. Well optioned. Make sure you go and uh, check out Paul's Instagram. It's Ren Engineering, UK. I'll put that in the description of the podcast so you know the link and you can just click on it. And that's about it. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Bye for now.